All right, ladies and gentlemen, my name is John John the Wise, and I got another cyberpunk video for you guys. Today, we're going to be talking about the economy with James Hutt from Artelsorian Games, one of the lead game designers for Cyberpunk Red. But before we get into that, make sure you guys join our Discord community. The link will be in the description below. It's a Cyberpunk 2020 and Red fan Discord waiting for you to join. Make sure you guys follow me on social media at John John the Wise. I also have a podcast called Tabletop Cyberpunk where I do interviews like this. And I have actual plays, and I just talk about cyberpunk in general. And last but not least, patreon.com slash johnjohnthewise. If you want to show your support for me and everything that I do, I greatly appreciate it. Our patron-only games are about to launch. So if you guys want to play in my games, then uh, definitely hop onto that Patreon. All right? Now let's get straight into the video. James, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. Awesome. So James, uh, just to give you guys a little bit of background, if you don't know for some reason, he is the lead game designer or one of the lead game designers for Cyberpunk Red, and he has an economy background. I believe you're an economy major, right? Or a graduate. Yeah. yeah. Economics major. Economics, sorry. Uh, and... Undergrad. Undergrad. Don't, <laughs> don't make it seem like I have a graduate. Anyway. You like that stuff. I'm not a doctor. I definitely don't. I have nothing economy. I've never once woke up and decided, hey, I want to know what, what economics is like. <laughs> so you're definitely an expert above me. But uh, the reason we wanted to have you on is because uh, we I fielded the community and I asked them, what's one thing that you guys want cleared up? that's in the book and a good portion of them said they just wanted a little bit of clarification on the economy and how things work within it so i got questions from all over the internet youtube reddit facebook i mean discord you name it I, anywhere that i could get any questions i fielded them together and i created an outline document i sent that document to james we looked it over together, and we want to give you guys clear, concise answers to guide you in your games so that you can take the ideas that are in the book with the economy and apply it to your games and enjoy them with the intention of what the developers wanted. Uh, is that accurate, James? Absolutely. That's what we're here for. Okay. Perfect. So we have a lot of stuff to cover. There's going to be timestamps available in the description and it's going to be on the YouTube bar below. So uh, there's a lot of sections that we want to get to. So let's just get started. Our first section that we want to talk about is availability. So as far as availability goes, we want to know if the following items that I'll be talking about, can we buy these at a store? Can we just walk into a Walmart or a corner shop and buy these items? Do we need to roll some sort of check to figure out where these items are? Are they available at stores, uh, like I just said? Or, and can every fixer source these items? All right. So that's what we want to talk about. You ready, James? All right. So the first items we want to talk about are weapons. And the thing I want to talk about first in the subsection, we're going to talk about legal and illegal. So as far as legal weapons go, what's legal to buy in a general city and uh, how how prevalent are these legal weapons? Okay, um, so I think the answer to this one is to go is for GMs only to go into the regional variants in the Night City sections of the book, and it lists there. Hey, if you pull out a gun in the exact zone, they'll show up in this many rounds with this. Um, if you're in the middle of a city and you have a concealed weapon. 
that's okay. But if you're like wearing something on you and you're nearby a corporate building, it's not the police you have a problem with. Gotcha. So. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, corporate goons don't really follow the law. They're basically above it. Uh, anyway. Yeah. If you're in the combat zone, it's a free market. Uh, there are people walking with rocket launchers. It's not a... Um, it's treat it like uh, the wild, wild west. If you're not like in the corporate center, uh, even in the rebuilding zones, they're not going to... Um, yeah, if you call into the local police department with like, I saw somebody with an assault rifle, they might just laugh at you. Gotcha. Or they might like, you know, like take the phone and go, hey, hey we got another one. What should we tell this one? <laughs> yeah, so... We'll be right on our way. We'll be driving an ice cream truck. You can tell because I have a pink mohawk. <laughs> so I guess... Um, so what would we need to do as far as... Uh, would our characters know? Like, we don't know meta-knowledge, what's legal and illegal. Would our characters know, hey, we're in this part of town, hide the SMG. We're in that part of town, SMG's fine. Yes. Um, they should know, but the thing is, they might not know because we put the we put this information in the information about Night City. That's kind of like a GM section. Mm -hmm. um, it's right near the map of Night City, um, and it's in a section called Regional Variance. Yeah. Okay. Sounds and good. Then there we detail it by different threat levels, uh, like a moderate, etc., and those sort of explain what's going on there. Another interesting thing is if you're wondering what sort of happens in this area, we have encounter tables that are linked to these levels and the time of day. So if you can go into the encounter table and say, hey, there are a bunch of people walking around with these guns, probably like if they've got it, uh, if they've got it, you can probably have it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, I, I will say that it's not, none of this is prescriptive. Um, these are just how we view how these settings might, uh, these areas might interact. Um, there are plenty of, uh, but honestly, it's how your GM is handling that area. Because if there's, for example, a Militech strike force on a street, they might not consider your assault rifle to be okay. Um, they might consider it to be a threat. Mm. Um, what is the, uh, I forget the art of war quote, uh, appear weak when you are strong and when you are strong, uh, no, 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 it's appear, it's appear weak. weak when you're strong and, uh, appear strong when you are weak. Yeah. Just fool your enemy into think, not being able to estimate what, what danger you are or how dangerous you are. Yeah, another, another thing, uh, reading the art of war is a great way to learn how to power game in cyberpunk. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's fun. So uh, tell me, um, as far as legal weapons, um, how prevalent are they? Can Are they in every corner store, or are there specific stores that you can buy stuff in? So this, this, this question is really about price categories. Okay, so we'll uh, save it for pricing, maybe? Weapons. Pricing, 
price categories are actually about availability and about pricing. So mm. those questions are the same question. The number one rule is if it's $100 or less, you don't have to be a fixer and you can get it anywhere. Mm. Okay. Um, fixers at rank four get the ability to source items of 500 or less, just like everybody else can start items, uh, source items of 100 or less. Uh, so they That's have, they can, they can pick up the phone and call anybody. One. They can get an assault rifle. You can't because assault rifles base cost are 500. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, as a non-fixer, $100 is the maximum amount you can spend on a price category. Okay. So you can only get premium or lower if you're not a fixer. Fixers at level one, AKA rank level four. Um, can get 500 or less and they will soon as they you know rank up their roll ability get the ability to access night markets and make night markets uh, which have their own rules but also they get default access to price categories okay gotcha so the that raises as they raise in roll ability rank so just as easily as you can go buy a pistol from a corner shop a fixer should be able to find a normal quality standard quality assault rifle um the in the expensive way. price category and lower at rank level four in the fixer ability gotcha. that's an entry-level character mm -hmm. and i would say that it's important in this game to tell your players no because especially if you have a fixer in your game but also if they don't because you don't know when that new player is coming up and you want the people to feel like yeah, we're having trouble accessing stuff because we don't have a fixer. Mm. If you're just giving them stuff, then when that new player shows up, they won't be like, we need a cleric. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I got you. They'd be like, health potions are plentiful. There's no need for the cleric. So assault rifles should be something that uh, you have to work to get because they're kind of like the end game weapon, right? Work. Work is a, um, work is a loaded term. Mm-hmm. Uh, the secret rule of the economy is everything that you steal is free. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, so you get an assault rifle the second you shoot somebody with an assault rifle. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. gotcha. And as far as I'm concerned, if you kill somebody with an assault rifle, congratulations, you deserve an assault rifle. Yeah, that's how I thought about it too. So uh, as far as weapons go... Uh, it's up to GMs to decide what sections will give legal weapons out and what sections will keep it illegal. Like, depending what part of the city you're in, there might be a district mandate. In this district, you can't buy weapons, but in that district, you can. And however that's policed is up to the game masters. Yes. Um, I will say that in Night City... Um, the way we set up the threat zones, that the areas where you can't get weapons are basically the corporate center and uh, and the exec zone, which is the end game area you're likely to never go to uh, unless invited or unless you rank up high enough in the corporate ladder. Gotcha. As an exec. So what about, uh, let's move on to like consumable items. Uh, I know regular ammo would probably be right next to the legal weapons as far as how easy it is to find it. But what about grenades, special ammo, special grenades, stuff like that? So the thing about special ammo, special grenades is a lot, it's sold by tens, 
Um, so if you're buying, you'll, you'll notice when it says incendiary, it'll say a price category of 100. So it's actually accessible, just as accessible uh, as um, at level one for everybody. Uh, but the thing is, it's ten dollars a round, yeah. and that adds up. Yeah. Uh, grenades are a uh, are sort of a fact of life. Uh, they're mass produced, like we mass produce 1911s, um, and uh, they're they are available because they are, I believe, uh, a fragmentation is. A hundred, isn't it a hundred? I believe I probably should have had it available. I remember it off the top of my head, price yeah. per grenade, but I know it's less than a hundred dollars. Um, ammunition type. I just got right to it. How cool is that? Incendiary ammo is a hundred EB. What were you looking for? Expansive. So incendiary. So let's say incendiary ammo. Incendiary ammo is a hundred EB, and when you buy it, it says it's accessible as a grenade, right? Yeah, yeah. Incendiary is. That means an incendiary grenade costs $100 because when you buy them as grenade or rocket, you get one for the price category. When you're buying them as ammunition, you get 10. You get 10 of, uh, got it. Okay, because like right here, bio, biotoxin ammo is 500 eddies, so I would need a fixer for that. Yes, it's, less, it's more than 100, so you need a fixer. Got it, okay. So that being said, you only need a level one fixer. Mm-hmm. You only need it. Uh, I keep getting mixed that mixed up. You only need a rank level four fixer, which is a uh, which what you mean is starting, starting character. character, a starting player character, not a I'm multiclassing a little bit into fixer. Okay, okay. I think the answer for availability we locked, we locked that off for a reason, by the way. Yeah. Okay. And I you I don't want people taking one rank of fixer and getting five hundred dollar accessibility anywhere you want. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, multi-class one fixer, just so I can buy assault rifles, right? Um, so I think we kind of answered most of the other questions. I had armor here, and I'm guessing as long as the armor is 100 eddies and le or less, you can find it anywhere. If it's 500 yep. or more, you got to have a fixer. Um, oh, yeah. Cyberware, same thing. Gear, miscellaneous items, same thing. I'm assuming everything. everything. What about uh, something that's a little bit more nuanced, like uh, crafting, uh, like components for crafting tech items? Because these are stuff that, you know, it's impossible to list every microchip and every little piece of a tech upgrade in the book. However, mm -hmm. we did. Um, you'll notice in the tech section, it'll tell you how expensive your materials are. They're price categories. Got and it. those that are a hundred or less, da da da, you get it. Um, same rule. Um, it's I tried to make it so when designing the economy, I had a challenge, which is I want to create a trading economy that's easy to run, easy to play in, because I may like economics, but I need to make sure the GM knows how to do this on the fly. So yeah. I made some, uh, I made some sort of a streamlined. Uh, yet, the way they impact the game is nuanced. Okay, got it. So really, the 100 eddies and 500 eddies is like the general rule, right? Anything below 100, anyone can find it, no matter what it is, including tech items that you need to upgrade. And anything 500 and above, you're going to need a fixer 
or you're going to need to find a night market, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And in a night market, if you are a fixer that helped set up that night market, you can get any price category. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, they're all available, right? So mm -hmm. if let's let me ask you that. Uh, uh, actually, you know what? We're going to get into it in the fixer section. So what I want to ask you later how we obtain the knowledge of knowing whether something is available or not. Because the yeah. the idea is that it is available, but we don't know, you know, oh, yeah, you want a rocket launcher? Yeah, there it is on the table. You know what I mean? We don't know how to implement that. But bef let's we'll get to that because next, uh, I think we covered availability. We got a clear answer. Let's talk about payouts. Uh, this was one of the questions that P the community had. They wanted to understand what denotes a job, what denotes the uh, the chart. And I believe there's a chart, the most you can be paid on a job, which is considered like the most dangerous is 2,500 eddies. Per person, per person. Per person, exactly. Uh, so really the question here is what denotes a mission? Is it a one-shot, two-hour session? Is it uh, three, four sessions where we finally rounded out this campaign kind of uh, plot? Or should uh, how how should we average it out? So um, so that's that. This is really a question about how fast should my players acquire money? Yeah, that's exactly what the question um, is. And uh, the answer to what the what we mean as what we consider to be a job length is a one or a two session uh, job. But to be honest, I prefer to think of it as. How fast can your players complete the work with uh, to which they are assigned? Yeah. If they blow, if they blaze past it, and you know it goes well, I don't necessarily need to attach a bunch of additional stuff to fit that session count. So I don't want to think about it like that. Um, I will say it's designed to be short-term missions. Um, if you're doing a longer campaign thing, maybe think of a campaign as a compilation of a bunch of interesting jobs, like a bunch of interesting chapters that combine into a meta campaign. And if they're doing something really big, perhaps you need to think about how they're getting paid other than just money. So uh, more than the raw currency. Well, to give you an example say, in from for the screen sheets, a screen sheet equals one of those outcomes. They're designed uh, for use with that. Okay, got it. So those are you're talking about the screen sheet adventures you guys have or uh, plot hooks. Those are designed to once they're rounded out, you get your payment, your payout. So I'll give you an example from my campaign. In my campaign, um, it took them seven sessions to complete the job that they were originally asked to do. And in between that, I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff happened. They went to multiple locations. They had multiple gunfights. They found out clues about so many things. And the climactic ending was making sure that Biotechnica is kind of toppled in that city, just in that city. Wow. So I, I only paid them. City. That's the thing. I only paid them out the 2500 And now I'm thinking you I skimped the right them. Thing. No, no, no. You did the right thing. The thing is that you just told me that I play at a time scale that is very metered. And because of that, the um, I mean, how long did it take them in campaign time to do this? 
Uh, well, you're right. It took it, it the whole seven, all seven sessions took place in 24 hours. Exactly. Hmm. Got it. The job table cares about in-game time, not out-of-game time. Got it. So really, we got to understand what kind of progression did the characters make within the game, not how many hours have we spent trying to figure out what, what to do. Now, I will say, if I were your characters, I would feel like I just went through a whole lot of hullabaloo and got paid peanuts. Yeah, I agree. But here's the thing. That's the setting. Hmm. Hmm. I get it. You're risking your life for... Look, if you paid me $2,000, I wouldn't go get shot at. That makes sense. So but This is a world where there are people that are in a situation where that makes sense. Yeah, because, I mean, who? someone else will do it if you don't do it for the money that's on, exactly. available. Yeah. Will they be able that to do a better job? That is what the market pays for those things. Exactly. So it's about what the market pays. It's not about what seems... Because uh, in our world, you know, because that's what a lot of people try to do. It's because we play in a setting that's so similar to ours, we are trying to connect real-life uh, payouts for things. Like, if I ask you, hey, how much money would you want to go break into an Arasaka building, me and you are going to have much higher numbers than what's in the book. But that's not what this... We don't live in this dark future. We live in the cushy I mean... future. <laughs> Yeah, we, we honestly we don't. It may feel like it, but uh, yeah. But, <laughs> so um, our world is better than that. Right now. So then, um, what would you say as far as advice to someone that says, "What if our gaming group doesn't like the structure of mission, payout, downtime, repeat?" So I designed that game loop um, for people. If you don't like it, do something different. Do something new. Try something until it works. Um, I will say that uh, if you don't like the, that structure, you could work in the payment system into roughly two sessions equals outcome. Mm -hmm. uh, and you could divorce it from a danger level. You could make them maybe like if they're heavy story points or the, the top end is a reward, the middle end is a moderate reward, the low end is like, stuff off the ground. The other thing is that EB is just, uh, that amount of EB is simply um, in the standard structure where, in which it is designed. Um, that's currency. That's not all the assault rifles I picked up off the floor. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, that's a wholly different concern, which is my players keep picking up assault rifles off the floor that you need to deal with. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of designed around them also doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And that is designed with the important guardrail of you really do need to, if they're holding, if they've picked up three sniper rifles, mm -hmm. they should be encumbered. Yeah, for sure. And it's, you guys use the common sense rule, right? It's, there's no like, uh, this is one bulk, um, two bulk. That's, common sense is far more powerful than anything I could write yeah. in, in that arena. Because people pick up things all the time. You know, you put on a backpack and you're like, oh, it's kind of heavy. Yeah. Um, I could never create a system that would say, hey, you put on a backpack. These things are in the backpack. Now calculate how heavy it is. Mm -hmm. No. It would just feel bad, even if I tried very hard. Okay. Common sense rules. Best rule we can write. 
here's another uh here's another question somebody asked what about payout based on role skill rank is there any granularity of role expertise and payout based on experience should we take stuff like that into account if you're really good you should be taking dangerous jobs that's where you take your skill into account because honestly you should be the one saying i want to take that job as a player the jobs don't happen to you you happen to them um you are the one who knocks Mm. um anyway um where that comes in like i'm really good is actually in the downtime system called hustle and uh hustles you get more as you get higher rollability ranks you'll get higher end hustles that will give you money on the side that you don't have to get shot at for yeah that makes a lot of sense you so, so I, I remember that part system, the job system is jobs are kind of on the player as to what do you want to do mm-hmm. um, the player may go i don't want to get shot at a lot today okay. the player might even go i still have a critical injury that's only treated and not healed because we don't have a med tech and i'm broke um i don't want to i want to do a quick job to get this fixed I don't want to do a super dangerous job that'll get my other leg blown off too. There's so there's a lot of desperation in the time of the red and it, it shows uh, yes. in the economy. I've heard the term poverty simulator thrown mm. around. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, what'd I you like do? Term it is getting out of poverty simulator. Yeah. That makes I, sense. It's too real, James. <laughs> well, I mean, if you uh, if you play it as written, it'll uh, it'll really it'll really uh, it'll be like the end of the seventy uh, seven trailer. It'll keep you coming back for more. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. What's up, guys? I'm adding a little bit of an amendment to this video. There is one topic that I forgot to ask James about, and that is vehicle pricing. They are the most expensive item in the core rulebook. And the question was supposed, hey, why should I go on a dangerous mission when I could just sell this vehicle that I steal off the road and make tons more money, especially if the resale value is fixed, then why should I even go on a dangerous mission? So basically, James's answer to that question is scarcity. The, his idea is that Cyberpunk Red is a scarce world and you're not going to actually see vehicles on the road. I know we're used to the Cyberpunk 2020 and 2077 way of looking at Night City where there's all kinds of makes, models, and brands of vehicles driving around. But in Cyberpunk Red, that is just not the reality. And while I've made that same kind of mistake where I think it's a lived city, there's all kinds of cars going all over the place, according to James, that's not actually the intention of the design. Now, that's what makes the Nomad so powerful in the game because they get a vehicle off the bat. And that's something that people have to work for where Nomad just gets it. So vehicles are end game items for other characters, but for uh, Nomads, they get it off the bat at character creation. Now, he did say that just like if you kill somebody with an assault rifle, now you are an owner of an assault rifle. He said the same thing about vehicles. If game masters send motorcycle goons at the players and they're doing drive-bys and the players kill the goons and steal their bikes, they now have motorcycles and they can resell them. Now, 
let's talk about pricing. He said this is the only caveat with pricing. Everything else in the game has a fixed price. And in his mind, uh, the the vehicles do not have a fixed price. They are the prices you see in the core rulebook are actually for brand new vehicles that fixers have bought as soon as they were available and are reselling them at like a scalper's up upped price. So his idea is if you're going to be finding vehicles on the road that they are not going to be uh, worth as much as whatever's in the book. They're going to be at a fraction of the price. They're going to be broken down. They're going to be old. And if you want to sell them, then you're not going to make as much money as you would think. So I hope that answered everybody's question about vehicles and stealing them. The conclusion is that they're not really all out there and uh, it's really hard to find. And even if you do find it, they're not going to be worth as much as what the core rulebook has them listed as. Uh, Okay, that's clearing out payouts. I appreciate that. Let's get into our next section, pricing. Now, there Mm -hmm. is a lot of questions on the internet about uh, pricing and stuff like that. I think this was one of the highest contended kind of categories. But basically, me and you have talked about it kind of at length off camera. And what can you tell the people as far as the decisions you made with pricing and uh, and everything? So uh, Cyberpunk Red's a streamlined system. And uh, the reason why there are only so many top prices that an item can be, these are the price categories we have, is because we wanted to use them uh, to model a trading economy. Um, if you have a $100 item and I have a $100 item and you like my item and I like your item, economics says, economics just jumps up and starts dancing and says, trade them, trade them, please. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we had a system that was easy to understand so that that could occur. Um, but also we use it as a game design mechanic um, to sort of set power levels for items. Um, and then we control what's accessible and what needs a fixer. Um, so the answer is, why can't I find something that's X dollars? Well, it's because we have defined price categories and we've defined them for game balance reasons. So um, one that's of... why things don't cost realistic prices. So the, the gist I of it to... is that is that it's just for game balance and trying to attach real world pricing this like the world we live in to the pricing that's in the game is is not really going to do it any justice and is not really appropriate because this is balanced for a game and and a very game mechanic kind of thing yeah it's it's controlled um so that you have a that when you're um that you can mess around with it and it won't break uh, well, this is being said, if you want to get something for less than a price category, there are fixer there are fixer abilities that do that in the rollability section. Yeah, that's right. Fixers can change price categories of items and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They can get they can get they can't change price categories, but they can get discounts. They can sell for higher. They can sell for less. Uh, they can get a loan. Can't a can't uh, a tech upgrade an item to a higher price category? A tech can turn uh, lower quality materials into an item worth one price category higher than. Ah. Uh. 
Got it. But that takes them a long time, mm-hmm. and it is time they could have spent hustling. Uh, Got it. Uh, in economics, we call that opportunity cost. Mm. So time is also a valuable currency in the game, which is kind of why I recommend you run it as written. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've spent a lot of time making sure that uh, how do rocker boys make money? Well, if you look at the rocker boy hustle table, when they get to higher levels, they make a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Okay. Um, so my first question for pricing, that sounded like it was the first question, but this is actually the first question. Um, oh. Is, uh, well, we just wanted to get that out of the way because that was one of the biggest things is people wanted to know, why question, is this? Why, zero. Yeah, yeah. What, what, question zero, exactly. <laughs> people wanted to know, like, why is this this price and that is that price? That makes no sense. But then the answer is it's for game balance and it takes into account not just the economy, but how fixers work, how techs work, and how pro- character progression works. I mean, all those things are intertwined into why things are priced the way they are. Yep. Cool. All right, so I want to... We had to lose some realism. Um, I understand that. Mm-hmm. But we lost realism in, t- in order to get gameplay that works. Yeah, and actually, it's a good structure to have for future supplements and stuff like that, too, because you guys don't have to worry about adding stuff in as long as you use the same categories and same structure. It is very expandable, and I look forward to doing that soon. Yeah, I wonder if you guys are already doing that, huh? Wink, wink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know. I, I know I've gone into work for the past couple of months. I don't know about you all. <laughs> all right, well, let's, uh, let's talk about... Uh, the price categories, because uh, what we really want to know is, are they fixed price categories? For example, is there anything that's worth 200 eddies or 127 eddies or seven eddies? No, they're fixed. Got it. Is there, what their price categories is there a reason why it, everything is fixed at 100 eddies and then it's 500? There's no 200, 300 or anything like that. The reason is... So that you can remember it and memorize it. So as a GM, when off the side, you can just pull it out of your sleeve like a magician. Um, and as a player, you can go, yeah, I could probably get that. It's ah. Mm-hmm. There's also another reason, but this is a secret reason. Uh oh. I don't know. It's gotten a lot of coverage, so you get to be the one to break this, John. John. Mm. If you'll notice the price categories correlate one-to-one with Monopoly money. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) All I'm saying is... uh, Monopoly. Go buy some Monopoly. (laughs) It was Monopoly the entire time, man. Ready, Ready paper money for your table. No, they did it because it's easy to understand and easy to memorize, and I did it for the same reason. So trying to uh so what's your guidance as far as somebody saying hey I want to I want two different everyday items but my human brain is telling me yeah those are both everyday items but one is clearly a little bit more expensive than the other logically throw that logic out the, the window The answer in in a trading economy um in this if you look back historically in economies where trading is where currency is not the main way you pay for things, mm-hmm. everybody still accepts it because people still use it. 
Um, but sort of the main way a lot of deals are done is uh, I want to buy that. These are both basically the same value. Here you go. Here you go. Got it. Um, that's why it's that amount is because that's the way re it, reintroducing trading into a pre-existing economy that has collapsed might work, we think. Ah, so so really what the why things are the way they are is because everything has collapsed and they've gone back to a basic form of trade. Where where currency is just one part of trade. I mean, I would I would say trading is yes basic, but anybody anybody with an economics major will tell you trading is the heart blood of civilization. <laughs> uh, it's elemental. It's as elemental as the type of jobs you take as a um, cyberpunk character. You take jobs that kill people. People mm. have been taking jobs that kill people. For a very, very long time. Mm. One of the oldest professions, huh? <laughs> yes, yes. One of one of them. Yeah. You kill not him with other, rock. Not the other one. <laughs> yeah, that the other one is they, they kind of go hand in hand sometimes. They're both passionate. So fair enough. <laughs> Let's talk about a resale value then, because I think I have the answer for this. If I pick up a, an assault rifle off the ground. And it's a standard quality assault rifle that puts it at 500 eddies. If I go to sell it at a store, is does this cost the same as the one that's up there on the shelf? Uh, it depends. Okay. Here's what it depends. Is it the same? Just because you chose a weapon, I'm going to have to bring in the nuance. Because mm -hmm. the question is asking for the nuance. Yeah. Um, if it's the same quality. We have, for, for things that are likely to have multiple qualities, we have separate quality ratings for them. Like for weapons, for example. Um, if it's a poor quality assault rifle, it's only 100 bucks. I will say, this is a note to GMs. If your enemy goon has a um, standard quality assault rifle, they are likely a very rich enemy goon. And you should give them a poor quality one instead, because otherwise your players are going to be picking them up like five hundred dollar bills. Gotcha. Um, so unless they're really quality, well funded, they shouldn't have it. Rifle? Exactly. Unless they're corporate funded, or they're they just wanted to save up and they have a fixer buddy, they should really be wielding poor quality weapons. Um, in fact, if if you're throwing crash enemies at your players, they should probably be wielding poor quality anything that can have it um, in order to control the economics of your game. However, if you want to set your Night City as a place where um, people have high-power weapons everywhere, then give them that. Um, just know that it will cause your players to get a lot of money. Okay, gotcha. So basically... Um... As far as resale goes, there is no percentage or anything. It's not like um, this hundred dollar assault rifle or hundred eddy assault rifle. If you go and try to sell it, the guy's not going to ask you for fifty. He's going to take it at full value. I will say um, that uh, fixers are a thing. Uh, fixers have the ability to get those deals. If you're a player character, you're getting market price. Mm -hmm. 
Um, or they'll try to screw you. That's the thing. Nothing, nothing is stopping them from saying, I know it's 500 bucks, but you seem real desperate. Give me 600, fucko. Yeah, got it. So um, is it because of the scarcity that there is no pl- price fluctuation where it's like, oh, hey, assault rifle is an assault rifle. I know I can sell it, so I should trade it. Yes. Got it. Um, things are scarce enough that it's no longer a buyer's market. It's a seller's market. And the market has dictated that this is the price for a seller's market. Mm, got it. Okay. Interesting. If yeah. you're playing in a setting that is not Night City... Maybe everybody does get less. Maybe everybody does get more. Um, but Fortnite City, as it currently is, prices in the book. Um, and uh, it goes both ways, you know. Because it's a seller's economy, um, the sellers are going to be like, hey, I know that's valuable. I'll buy it for what we decided on. Mm. It goes both ways. It's just the demand is high and the supply is low. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. Um, okay, let's talk about old tech. Is it? Uh, is it? Um, what's your guide for items that are old tech? You know, we we go into the desert, we kick, we trip on something, we look, and it's a whole semi truck that's buried in the ground. We open it, and it's old. It's Cyberdyne cyber arms. What do we do? Oh with boy, that? a whole box of old Cyberdyne cyber arms. Yeah, what do we do in the ground? Uh, there's a first off. There's a word for this um, in the setting. It's called a bonanza. <laughs> uh, that's a new that's new slang. I unfortunately said the word like maybe it'd be that, and they, without letting me edit it at all, said, "Yeah, let's put it in." <laughs> I was like, "Wait, no, that's kind of stupid." And they're like, "Too bad, you said it." Good. For, I'm glad you said it because I really like that. <laughs> Bonanza. We so, found yeah, a bonanza, um, boys. That is, the, that is the bonanza. Yeah, we found a bonanza, boy. <laughs> um, that's that's what you would exclaim in the desert um, to uh, Cactus Joe. So what's the, our guide on uh, pricing on those? Your guide on pricing on those is talk to your GM. Because uh, your GM... Okay, first off, if you're a player... No, no, no. This is a GM thing. Mm. Um and the GM that put them in the game should know that price, and they should price it based on how they would price a tech item that would do exactly what they do. Uh, got um, it. So minimum say, minimum 500. Because there was a lot of stuff printed in 2020. And a lot of it is really strong. Mm-hmm. And you should consider that, and then consider what other price categories are like. What, what else could they get for that money? Uh, I really kind of don't recommend giving them, by the way, a full 600 cyber arms. <laughs> uh, just don't do that, maybe. Yeah, not um, a good idea. Imbalance. I could not. Uh... Now, maybe if, if like, now giving them, uh, the other thing is if it was buried in the desert, um, I would consider it destroyed. Hmm. AKA valueless until repaired. Mm. And if they want to go through the trouble of repairing 600 cyber arms to sell them as a tech, one, that's probably a party of like four techs. Uh, and uh, two, they will probably end up effectively getting, hey, by the time we fix all of these, it'll be a year from now. Um, and uh, all of us will have had to pay rent 12 times. 
and we'll all have had to uh, give up hustling for that time. So there's also opportunity cost. And uh, ideally at that point, if the players sat down and they, they set a, like a life plan for themselves, it's your job as a GM to ruin it. I like as that. As hard as possible. They've asked for this. Um, anytime they, they create a best laid plans, um, you, need to, you need to ruin it. You guys as, heard it here as first. As hard as possible. Yeah, if if your players complain, just uh, get this video and show them this part, guys. <laughs> hey, I, I mean, if you get the time and you've got a couple of dollars laying around, listen up, you primitive screwheads. It's great. It's still great. And it has tons to say about how to play a cyberpunk game. Yeah, I agree. We released it's... it for the 2020 line, but so much of it is evergreen knowledge. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of those universal supplements that, like, is good for anything, uh, not just cyberpunk. It's a really good mm-hmm. GM's guide. Uh, okay. And it does say kill them. Yeah, it does. It says when they're comfortable, steal something from them. When when they're happy, make them sad. <laughs> when, uh, Mike would kill him. I would torture him. Yeah, okay. Well, that's we learn new things about go. you. We we learn new things yeah. about you, James. And then torture them again. And then capture him and torture him again. Of course. Okay. That's all right. I'm definitely not playing in your games. That's for sure. Drink their tears, GMs. Drink their <laughs> tears. All right. Um, okay. So there's that as far as pricing goes. I, I did have an idea. I mean, I'm sure that because of how Cyberpunk Red is formed, the execs are starting from the ground up. I'm sure that there's an exec out there that's starting a corporation and is like, hey, these cyber arms, if I can reverse engineer them, then I can mass produce them myself. So they'll take them even if they're broken and owe you a favor. Yeah, I mean, uh, doing stuff for... So just like you can pick up items off the ground during your, uh, during your job and use them to supplement some of your income, the Netrunner is likely finding stuff when they go into these net architectures. They're getting these files. You can sell those too. In fact, um, they likely have a price category alongside them once you use ID to identify them. Um, Netrunner's finding files on a job that are probably pretty valuable. The media is getting these secrets that they can use to use their role ability. Everybody's doing something else while they're getting paid. Um, the tech should be looking at these broken items like, huh? Or should be looking at these people you're killing with broken items inside of them, like, huh? <laughs> you monster, leave them alone. <laughs> no, they're dead. They don't need it anymore. Yeah, they're dead. Who cares? It's a shame that you don't have a med tech friend to remove it from them and save the tech some work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had another uh, c- a curious one. What about current other currencies, dollar bills, uh, pesos? I mean, what do we? Did you guys create a one, um, one economy on under euro bucks to avoid trade rates and stuff like that, or is there like some kind of so, rule? So the euro buck is uh, is of course both the euro and the dollar. So if you're you in a European country or the United States, or anywhere that would use the dollar, they use the euro buck. If it's somewhere else, they likely use their own currency. But I would say that adding in the concept of like 
um, oh, pesos have different uh, exchange rate to dollars. Um, that just creates a lot of new, it, it creates a lot of work for you. And it, that work does not translate directly into player funds. So I call that work not worth it. But if you call it worth it, then maybe you should set your whole game in Mexico. Step one. And two, just take the word EB and replace it with peso. Ah, okay. So they have the same you know, trade economy. They're just using a different currency. Yeah, yeah. Here, I'll just, just steal all the economic work I did. Change the word. Take it. Okay. Make yeah. it your own, man. I mean, I, that kind of makes sense. If the whole world is screwed and the whole world is gone to shit, then everything is worth the same everywhere. <laughs> I will say, if you if you are playing a game where the whole world is even more screwed, like if you want to try a Mad Max thing, mm -hmm. like you're you're going to hack the system to play a different game, you know, don't play Cyberpunk if you want to play the Mad Max RPG. One EB is equal to one standard ammunition. Mm. Okay, there you go. That's the hack. You guys heard it. There you first. go. That's the, that's the hack for that. Um, also, talk about weapons full of money. Whenever you pick up a gun off the floor, oh, look, it's a full magazine. There you go. I'm going to go buy a pizza. Yeah, so the gun, the gun is whatever. It's the ammo that you just found that's worth something. You want both. You want both. Got it, got it. See, so both things are good. All right. Take the pistol, put it in your backpack. All right, awesome. Thank you so much for that pricing insight. That really, uh, that actually helped me a lot too, because uh, some of those things I was wondering as well. So, um, to to just to in conclusion about price categories, they're fixed for a reason because it, this is a trade economy. Prices are the ways that they are because of game balance, taking into account a multitude of things that we just talked about. Resale value is the same as the fixed uh, categories because of the trade. Unless economy. you're a fixer. Unless you're a fixer. Unless you're a fixer. Where you can make you deals. special powers in the final. Move on. Yeah, and we'll talk about that actually uh, in this two sections after this. Um, and as far as uh, old tech and stuff like that, GM discretion. The GM needs to understand that you could kind of break your game if you just find a big truck filled with old tech because it's really we're living in scarcity so giving your players something like that you better have a plan for it yes okay uh you can use so we put out a guide for how to price old tech um in a way that translates it uh, it's on our website uh, it's called old guns never die it's specifically for weapons because we figured that's what people would want. Um, for everything else, treat it like a fixer. Uh, treat it like a tech in your game just made it and you're pricing it yourself. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, let's talk about paying rent. So one of the questions that people have asked is, uh, it's a very min-max question, so I'm sure you love that kind of stuff since that's your style. Is someone, I love min -max. Yeah, someone asked... What's the incentive for players to pick anything other than a storage container and kibble? Why should I live in an apartment? Why should I have an expensive lifestyle? What what does that translate to as far as in-game mechanics? So, um, actually, uh, there's no reason for that person. For a person that's saying, I never want to move out of a storage container. I don't care that I eat shit. Um, you know, 
it's it's not useful to me. Um, I go home after every job and I stare at a wall. Um, those people, uh, there are room for those types of characters in cyberpunk. Um, Bato is my favorite example of a character who would have that sort of opinion um, from Ghost in the Shell, of course. Um, you get to see his apartment, I believe, in season two, and it's just a storage container. And there's a weight set, and there's a little radio, and that's all he owns. <laughs> um, so uh, if you want to be that character, spend like that character. Now, if you want to be the character that hits the nightclub all the time, you probably want a better lifestyle so you can go to the better nightclubs. Um, lifestyle is this cool mechanic where you pay for it at the beginning of the month. And then whenever you're doing something that somebody with that lifestyle would do, and we do clarify this, by the way, in the lifestyle section, we have a lot of examples as to, like, you could go to this club all the time. You frequent an executive bar. Um, you know, I, I wish I know executive bars. I wish I could frequent executive bars and drink their liquor um, all the time. When you're living within your lifestyle that you paid for, of course, um, the GM says, yeah, no, you already paid for that. You already budgeted for that this month, essentially. Don't worry about it. And they don't count it until you start going hog wild and you're like, I want to buy seven drinks. I get it. Um, then they're like, now we're going to charge you by piece because you did something that was outside of your budget. Uh, and, I uh, get it. So if you're living a kibble lifestyle, you can't go to the movies. Mm. Okay. I, I think we let you go to the movies once a month. Mm-hmm. But that's your big expenditure that much. You are essentially living in check-to-check poverty, and it's a simulation for you of how do I live in the game like I would live like that real life. So you're and, basically um, the kibble storage lifestyle. You're putting yourself in a social class where you don't belong in a lot of places. So to translate that into game mechanics. me uh, as And I do in the lifestyle and housing section. Perfect. So as a GM, I would tell my players, okay, you got to go to this corporate nightclub where a lot of corporates go to and meet your fixer there. Well, one of my players lives in a storage container and eats kibble. Then I would incur negatives for him, like for social interactions, because, hey, you wouldn't, you wouldn't. So you might not do that. What you might do. Okay. um, Sorry to overrule. No, no, good. I I want to, I know the answer. what, What I might do is. They want to pay that cover charge. I'm sorry, you don't do that. Um, please hand me $50 that you've earned. Whereas the exec is like, I come here all the time. And he doesn't pay out of his own pocket because he already budgeted for it when he mm-hmm. paid his lifestyle at the beginning of this month. So that's sort of how that works. Paying for a higher lifestyle um, doesn't necessarily give you social power. Um, it merely lets you be near other people it would be kind of the the whole like do you feel at place here do you belong what you're wearing you belong is what you're wearing um how you're living is there are several reasons in the apartment uh in the section about apartments um like the housing section as to why you might want a nicer apartment a lot of it is you don't need it and uh indeed uh, if you don't have a high lifestyle, you can have a high lifestyle living in a storage container. Hmm. Um, 
But you're those paying are, through the nose. That's why concepts um, from each other. Lifestyle is about how you're living. Housing is about where you're sleeping. What sort of, how much space would you have as a home base? And uh, exists as an incentive to have people move in together and live like normal humans would actually instead of as Munchkin player characters might. So basically, if I live a uh, corporate lifestyle, then when we go to the bars and nightclubs and order drinks, the GM can say, oh, you don't have to pay anything because you've already budgeted for it. We'll take care of it at the end of the month. In game terms, narratively, yeah, you're paying the guy and getting the drink, but we're not taking it out of your your currency because we're going to figure that yep. out at the end of the, uh, of the week or whatever when we're doing our downtime. And the other thing is, when you're doing your downtime, that check never comes. The check comes at the beginning of the month when you say, this month I want to live this lifestyle, and you prepay mm-hmm. into basically all the story power you want, mm-hmm. all the narrative choices that cost money. It's, it's a way of actually having characters that make expensive narrative choices, but don't get penalized it, it, at the table. I like it. I like it because it 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 takes away this the 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 small numbers and nickel and diming of trying to figure out. Okay, you bought how many drinks? Uh, okay, let me. And you only do that for the players that usually don't spend that kind of money. That you nickel and dime them because it's like, hey, you're stepping out of bounds of what you usually do. So exactly. I I gotta make you pay a little bit extra for this. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, the uh, yep, that's. I mean, you summed it up. That's how it works. Okay, that's. Uh, it's designed so that you can run social encounters in spaces, um, and not have to think about constantly where where money is changing hands, and you don't have to think about little things. You can focus on the big story that you want to tell. Yeah, so basically, if we live in a city and we're in our campaign is dealing with a lot of corporates, then you can choose not to live an expensive lifestyle, but you're probably going to pay for it somehow, some way through the campaign. I will say the lifestyles are named after the things that you eat, just because I'm honestly, that's how I view it. Yeah. Um, if you're eating good prepack then you're living a good prepacked lifestyle. If you're eating kibble, then you're having a kibble lifestyle. Uh, when I think about not having a lot of money in my account, I think a lot about eating a lot of rice and beans. Yeah. Mayonnaise <laughs> and sandwiches. I don't think about not going to the movies. Yeah. I knew a guy that would just put mayonnaise on toast and eat it like that. That was his uh, calorie intake. I don't know. I don't either, right? <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a yikes for me. It's a yikes for me, too. <laughs> it was a yikes at the moment, too. But I love that guy. Shout out to you. You know who you are. Um, all right. So... Don't ask them. Don't ask them. Please. <laughs> so let's move on to the final section, and then we'll do some like closing thoughts. I want to talk about fixers, because I'm, do- I'm actually doing a one-on-one campaign with my buddy, and he's playing a fixer. And cool. he... Um, he he brought this up to me. He said, hey, it says here I can source any item in this category. So that means if I pick up my phone and call somebody, they're going to have it, right? And I, oh, had, yeah. I had no way of telling him no because that's exactly rules as written. So with a fixer, you don't tell them no. You tell them yes. Mm. 
that's their whole power. In fact, if you tell them no, you're they're not a fixer. I got it. So if the person's not available, access. Remember earlier we talked about access. Yeah. Access is what fixers do. Remember about corporates. This is also a question about corporates because this economy is so intertwined. Corporates do. I have the money. Fixers do. I have the access. Mm-hmm. And if you're paying a campaign with both a corporate and a fixer. You should know that going ahead, that one of them's going to have the money, the other one's going to have the access, and they're going to be really good friends. Got it. All of your, if you have that combo in your game right now, know that in about four sessions, something will happen uh, between them. They will form a strong bond. So let me ask you, uh, as far as when fixers want to field an item, Excuse me, when they want to find an item or access it or whatever, see if it's available, they don't have to roll for anything. There's no mechanic that they need to do. As long as it's in within the price category of their roll rank, they can just get it. So there is a there's an ability on fixers that gives them automatic access to a price category. In that case, yes. And a high-end fixer will have that for everything. A high-end fixer doesn't even need to go to a night market. A high-end fixer is contacted by other fixers like Will you please come help me with this night market? Um, so there are, so for everybody else that isn't like, I'm a fixer rank 10, do you want a yacht? What color? Um, <laughs> you get, uh, uh, if you're at fixer rank, the first fixer rank where you can make a night market, you're talking to other fixers in the area uh, and you're trying to set up this night market because if you do so with those other fixers, you can create a space where for just that little bit of time, you can act like a fixer rank 10. Mm, got it. So that's what, um, because you got, so the, it's like the uh, the thing where with our powers combined, we can become a level 10 fixer is basically. Yeah, what yeah. If you, get, if you get like the six fixers you know in the area to all agree on a set time uh, and you make calls and uh, it's all in your best interest, to make night markets, night markets only exist because they're in everyone's best interest. You know, if if they weren't making money, if they weren't a good idea or a way to source things, they wouldn't exist in this economy. But if you get enough fixers together, you can pretend like it's 2020. Ah, uh, that makes even sense. though it's 2045. You basically make a uh, a bazaar or a black market yeah. Costco exactly. <laughs> You get to make your own black market yeah. as a fixer. That's why you play them. And I also think both fixers and execs make great single-player duet campaigns. So Yeah, yeah. So far, Thank it's you. been a lot of fun. have a lot more fun in so, the future. So then tell me, how are uh, night markets structured? How rare are they? And what do we do to put them together? Is there any dice mechanics that we need to implement? There are special mechanics for how to generate a night market. Um, it's sort of a binary. Uh, if you're a fixer and you help set up the night market, then you have special powers and likely everybody in your party is going to be like, hey, man, can you do this for me? Um, so they're happier there, of course. Um, you can also only do it once a month. So as a GM, if your fixer tries to get everybody on the horn again to do this next Tuesday again, um, they're not going to have the time. They're not going to be able to do it. 
So there is this time gating because it's a very powerful ability and because we care about time um, as a resource, we don't let them do it every day or they'd be a level 10 fixer all the time. It's fun as an event. It's not fun as a, oh my gosh, all the time. So, um, so it's something that the fixers, um, how, how rare would you say, like once a month, once a year? It, so the rules on it are once a month and it should be played once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, because the fixer, I believe at fixer level five or six, you start getting the ability to do it. So entry level fixers, those rank four fixers that are going to be showing up to your first game of cyberpunk, they can't make a night market. Yeah. Um, it's a mid game power. So it's powerful. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Once a month, you should give it to them. Let them do it. Um, make them make the calls and, you know, play the narrative se- settings, but that's their ability. They deserve it. Um, okay. The other thing is we've gotten invited to a night market because the night market needs customers that aren't fixers. If you're a fixer and you're going to a night market you didn't set up, you don't get the ability to act like a level 10 fixer. Um, you're at somebody else's party. You're not at your own party. Um, you're showing up to somebody else's shindig. Uh, that being said, that's that perfect place to bust out those uh, haggle rolls. And it'll be kind of a fight because you're probably talking to another fixer who's going to have the same ability you have. Um, yeah. So that's that's an exciting... So fixers really just... They, they've got the calendar and they've got their night market on the wall. Like, oh, I can't wait until Thursday. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait birthday? to... No, even better. <laughs> <laughs> They're collecting um, everything all together. They're like, I'm going to bring this to the night market and sell it then, right? Basically. basically. Yeah. Maybe all the stuff that people picked up off the floor during those jobs earlier. Yeah, or maybe you know a fixer that yeah, wants yeah. to stock his supplies, so he'll he'll definitely fill up his stores. So the back to what I was talking about, because I haven't fully answered your question yet. Sure. Um, if you're not a fixer and you're at a night market, you're treated like anybody else. Um, in terms of access, you don't get that special level 10 power. And everybody else, along with fixtures you can set up the night market, uh, have to follow the rules that we set upon in the new street economy section for generating a night market. Yep. Um, you have to do some rolls. You have to uh, make some... If you there, <clears throat> there are sections that make you make a GM call on what exotic weapons I want to be here. Um, and, uh, you get to, uh, and basically it's like a life path for a market. You just roll it out. Um, I believe there might even be generators on the internet right now for it. Yeah. You might want to scoop around on. Yeah. There's, there's, I think so. I haven't actually seen it myself. Uh, or I might have. Yeah. It's probably on the Reddit somewhere. It's somewhere there. If I find it before. I'll post it in the description for you guys. If it's not there, I couldn't find it. And maybe one of you kind souls can comment it so I can add it to the description. And that would be I awesome. I do know it's it's less than 10 dice rolls and you have a full market. That's great. I like it. Is this separate from the traveling bodegas as far as the section goes? Uh, the, bodegas is a, the bodegas is a place to get $100 and less stuff. And uh, that's that's a section that's more of like, how do you create a cool corner store. That section is lore-based and for narrative purpose. Got it. 
I love the bodega section and the Vendit section because they help explain why I can get $100 items everywhere. Yeah, yeah, or or I love the one of them I rolled and it was like live chickens. So I was like, oh, okay, that's fun. That's a fun little. My favorite one that I've put in a game is an ammunition vendor that shoots out the bullets one at a time, (laughs) Uh, but it can get jammed just like a gun can get jammed. And to unjam it, you have to use the same. You have to use like weaponsmith (laughs) to go like, no, I. It's just an AK mag. I I can unjam. (laughs) that's great i love that an ammunition vendor that spits out bullets that's great but it but it jams is the best so they'll pay for it and they'll they'll be like what happened awesome okay that's cool i like that so night markets should feel like an event um fixers can uh create a night market when they're a specific rank and then that should all be figured out by the gm and how you guys want to role play it all the phone calls they have to make because a good fixer knows other fixers. And yeah, um, go ahead. importantly, in the fixer category, you have contacts, just like a media has contacts. Um, and you that's a big story power thing that a fixer has. The fixer doesn't need to get to know people. They already know people. Um, and they're looking to meet even more people Got all it. the time. Got it. Uh, so uh, that's, that's, the, that's the phone call. Um, they shouldn't need to set up their night market over the course of weeks of gameplay, of course. Don't do that to them. Just uh, just let them do it once they get the rollability rank. Because honestly, ranking up a rollability twice is a big commitment in this game. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and if they've gotten there, they deserve, they deserve to be good. Yeah, 100%. I mean, getting another net action as a net runner, that's insane. I mean, you've reached like a whole new level. So... I can imagine even or even solos, all those points you get to throw in and doing headshots all over the place. So yeah, yeah. yeah. As you as you rank up a so as a solo, the the bigger stuff that takes the that takes the chunky. This takes three to activate. It start starts becoming breakpoints where you're like, yeah, but now I can activate that twice. Yeah, it's nuts. I've seen some of them. I'm like, man, this is insane. <laughs> it's really good for long campaigns. A lot of a lot of sleeper design in it. I like it. I love it. All right. I think that about covers every single item that people have asked about on the internet. If I missed your question, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very sorry. I tried my best. Uh, we did like an hour of talking about the economy. So there might be other stuff out there. If you do have anything else that you want to talk about, make sure you guys contact James on his, uh, I'm sorry, the asking the mayor what is it called again uh it is called from the mayor's desk from uh, we mayor's run desk. a column every once in a while you can find it on our website our Talsarian games um and uh that's where i answer any question you have uh, as the mayor of balance town and uh you can ask the question that we missed in this video exactly and then you, you guys post it you guys also post it on Reddit, and it gets around all over the place. So if you guys want to be involved with that, make sure you go to rtelsoriangames.com, go to their blog posts. You'll see it, and uh, there's ways that you can contact James. And if you want to hit him up on social media. It's a Google form. I believe it's a Google form. There you go. It's a Google form that you make can sure fill out. Make sure to go to the most recent one, and then click that link, because we don't 
follow all the older Google Forms. Sure. So if you have any questions for James, make sure you guys go there and you let let them know what you want answered on anything Cyberpunk Red. Um, Is there anything else about the economy you think that we haven't covered that you would want to talk about? Um, I would say, uh, no, you guys, you guys basically got all of it. Um, it's a system that's, uh, very interconnected into a lot of other places. Um, I would say for, uh, it's interconnected into a lot of role abilities, most importantly. And since those are the, those are the big player power, uh, areas of the rules, um, it is, uh, it is something that once you get the hang of those non-combat classes in your game are going to shine. Um, so I think it's very important. And uh, to somebody who'd watched this whole video, they're the type of GM that's going to do it right. Yeah, I know. And if I you watch an hour of this, then you really... Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. They're not talking about killing anything? No, just talking about money. <laughs> I know. If you watch the end of this video, come find me at a Gen Con or something. I'll sign your book. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Flip it. Hey, things are open back up. We're going back. Texas. Texas opened up 100%. So Gen Con might be in person this year. They they got a schedule for that. I got, I got no idea about that. <laughs> no, we'll I'm see. not going for that. All right, James. Seriously, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you coming on. It means a lot to me that you are here for the community, so accessible. And um, thank you so much for answering these questions. I cannot wait to see what you guys have in store for us. If you guys haven't seen the announcements for stuff that's coming up for our Talsorian games, go to their website, ask James a question, look at the blog posts. They do a really amazing job letting the community know. And if there's any reason that you want to contact James or our Talsorian games, you can find them on social media. You can find them on Discord. They're easily accessible. Don't be shy, right? Absolutely. We're here for the community 100%. And uh, I will say thank you for all you do, of course, and I'm happy to be here. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yeah, of course. I like you too much. (laughs) All right, guys. Have a wonderful day, week, month, or year, like friends, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.